Uh, anyway, in this hour, New York Times bestselling author Marie Benedict and acclaimed author Victoria Christopher Murray join us for a conversation right now uh, about their highly anticipated new text. It's called The First Ladies. Uh, doesn't drop until June 27th, 2023. But they love us so much and I love you so much uh, that we're giving you a, a, a taste of this before it even comes out. Uh, June 27th uh, is when the text drops. It tells the story of a bond that developed between civil rights activist Mary McLeod Bethune and First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. Drawn together by a mutual advocacy uh, for civil rights, their singular friendship overcame a multitude of racial barriers, as you might expect, that began even on the very first day the women met, which we'll unpack here in just a second after I welcome uh, Marie Benedict to this program. Marie, how are you today? I am so delighted to be here talking to you and talking about the First Lady. I am so delighted to have you on. Thank you for your time. And Victoria Christopher Murray, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? If I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I am doing remarkably well, and I'm delighted to be in dialogue uh, with the two of you. So who wants to take this first question first, Marie or Victoria? Uh, but tell me uh, about the very first day uh, Mary McLeod Bethune and Eleanor Roosevelt connected. Do you want to go, Victoria? It doesn't matter. I I'll start. Um, they met. It was very interesting. They met because of Eleanor's mother-in-law, uh, Sarah Roosevelt, who was FDR's mother. And she had invited women from all around the country to um, come in, and they were going to uh, work together to move young women forward. And they, they all were focused on education for women. Um, and so Mary McLeod Bethune showed up because, of course, she was invited. But the other women who were there, who were all white, refused to sit down with her. Mm. So what happened, Victoria? Mary didn't have a problem with that because that's something that she had experienced her whole life. Uh -huh. So while the women, while the women stood against the wall and refused to eat with her, because she was black, she just sat down and enjoyed the soup. She would have <laughs> eaten alone if she could have, uh, but it didn't matter to her. And, and one of the things that I loved about Mary was that she never um, enveloped the, the problem of the racist. Racism was their problem, not hers. Mm -hmm. So she did not let it bother her. Yeah. Victoria, what do you want to add um, uh, to that story about what happened the very first day Eleanor Roosevelt and Mary McLeod Bethune met? What do you want to add to that? I think the only thing I would add to that, and Marie could speak even more to this, is how impressed Eleanor was with the way Mary handled it. Mm -hmm. I think Eleanor was more used to people who would have cowered under that kind of situation who would have backed down, who would have been embarrassed, all kinds of things. And I think she was very impressed with the way that Mary McCarthy met her face on, met these women face on, and she went about her business and she had lunch. And she said, I was there to have lunch and I'm going to have lunch. Now, if they don't want to eat, that's their problem. It yeah. is not mine. Yeah. Marie, how do you read that first meeting? 
Oh, gosh. I mean, walking into this scene with Mary and Eleanor was uh, revelatory for me personally and for um, for the character of Eleanor Roosevelt. You know, she and her mother-in-law invited Mary, um, as, you know, as Victoria mentioned, to this big luncheon they were having um, to celebrate the heads of all these women's organizations. And, and Eleanor had had so little exposure to people of color and to, she was just sort of at the beginning of her career in advocacy, uh, primarily for women, Mm -hmm. but she had very little knowledge or exposure. And so I think she assumed that because all these women were there together to advance the cause and plight of women, that they would be like-minded. And it was, I think, a rude awakening for her when here comes Mary, so self-possessed, so accomplished, so gracious, just kind of sails through this horrible situation, and all these other women have are scorning her. And it was eye-opening to Eleanor, I think, um, about the, the true nature of the people she had surrounded herself with. And it, it brought this immediate bond between these two women that um, that was forged in this very uncomfortable situation and mm-hmm. sort of... Um, forced them to to have uncomfortable conversations right from the start. And they really just grew from that moment forward. We just had a full hour conversation about uh, uh, how influence is our superpower uh, with a brilliant professor uh, Mm. at Yale, Zoe Chance. And here we come now in this hour. Uh, talking about the bond between Mary McLeod Bethune and First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. Clearly, Mary McLeod Bethune used her influence as her superpower. A great deal more to talk about with Marie and Victoria when we come forward. Their book drops on June 27th. It's called The First Ladies. Again, about that unique bond between Mary McLeod Bethune and Eleanor Roosevelt. More about it when we come forward on KBLA Talk 15. Continuing our conversation now with Marie Benedict and Victoria Christopher Murray, authors of uh, the highly anticipated new book about to drop on June 27th. Uh, It's called The First Ladies, and it uh, delves into, tells the story of the bond that developed between civil rights activist Mary McLeod Bethune and First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, drawn together, of course, by their mutual advocacy for civil rights. Uh, Victoria, let me come back to you right quick first. Um, Why is it you think that, and I'm not naive in asking this, but why is it you think that Mary McLeod Bethune's vast accomplishments uh, in many respects are still uh, unrecognized to this day? We know about the statue uh, in Statuary Hall. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, But but what what, what is it uh, about her, uh, given all that she accomplished, that still keeps her story um, somewhat uh, invisible? And invisible is the right word for it because um, it's it's not just Mary, but she does have this added pressure of being a black woman. So many women's stories have just been erased from history. And it is just amazing to me that we were able to just ignore her accomplishments. And she has an entire college standing there. Um, And there are so many other things that when people read this book, which is a novel, but does tell the truth of some of her accomplishments that people are going to find out. It's amazing. She was just erased because she was a woman, because she was a black woman, and her accomplishments were not considered important to the history of this country. 
And so we hope that with this novel, that's something we're going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me uh, about why I was going to go there, but you, since you went there, I'll follow you. Uh, it is, in fact, a novel, uh, <laughs> it, but it tells the truth about this relationship. Why, uh, Victoria, uh, use uh, uh, that particular narrative form, novel versus, you know, nonfiction? Well, you know what's interesting? More people will read a, a fiction book. More mm-hmm. people will read a novel. And if you want to get truth out there, um, I think historical fiction is a wonderful way to do it. Because people who read for enjoyment are looking for an escape, but we're able to kind of sneak in some facts, educational and historical facts, that will teach some things. So, um, both Marie and I are fiction writers. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing. Yeah. So we're not um, writing nonfiction, but it just seems the perfect way to um, introduce readers to these women and this friendship. Yeah. Um, this is clearly, for those of you history students, uh, you know this already, this is clearly a, a, a critical era in America's political, social, and cultural history. And what this what this book brings forth, the book, once again, is called The First Ladies. It drops June 27th. What this book uh, brings forth are the efforts of Mary McLeod Bethune and Eleanor Roosevelt, both separately and together, and the major role they played in passing many of the laws that we benefit from today. In that regard, Marie, uh, what struck you most about what they were able to accomplish together, black and white, as friends? Oh, my gosh. Um, how long is your program, Thomas? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so long. Yeah. I mean, let's, so coming to, you know, their partnership, their friendship started in 1928 at that fateful meeting at Sarah Ro- at the Roosevelt Townhouse in New York City. But it really got going in terms of what they were able to accomplish. You know, Mary had had several positions um, and presidential commissions throughout the years. But when FDR assumed the presidency, suddenly these two women were operating as women have done historically, and thankfully not so much anymore, but behind the scenes to effectuate things on multiple fronts. But but where it all started, where, you know, back to that, that point you raised about influence earlier, mm-hmm. is that Mary really helped inform Eleanor's understanding of what was really happening in our country at that Mm -hmm. time. You know, it was an era of segregation. It was an era of Jim Crow. It was an era of lynching. It was an era in which efforts were, you know, Mary had been part of these efforts towards equality for decades and that the movement was, uh, was only able to get so far. And suddenly Eleanor, through Mary, was was tapped into all of this, and these two women would kind of work their way through these these heart wrenching, you know, enormous problems in our country, and and tackle it from different perspectives. So, just as one example, um, you know, right when he came into office, FDR started to enact the New Deal. Um, all the legislation behind that, you know, the country was in a terrible um, depression. Uh, People were starving, were out of work. And, you know, Eleanor would go after something one way through her um, her her access to FDR and his his staff members. And Mary would go after it different, but they would sit down and come up with a plan. And as as they did that, they would kind of tick off the big issues of the day and move the needle in ways that people I don't even think understand today. And yet 
the foundation that they created on all these different fronts is one that we're benefiting from today as well. Yeah. I've often said uh, on this program and in speeches around the country, and for that matter, around the world, that um, great presidents aren't born. They're made. They have to be pushed. Mm-hmm. They have to be pushed into their greatness and left to their own devices. They end up being garden variety politicians, not statesmen. And, and I always offer this as an example. There is no Abraham Lincoln if there is no Frederick Douglass, who we referenced in our first hour today of our Mm -hmm. program. There is no Abraham Lincoln if there's no Frederick Douglass pushing him into his greatness. People forget that Lincoln Lincoln starts out on the wrong side of the slavery question. But Douglass is pushing him into his greatness. There is no FDR if there is no A. Philip Randolph pushing him into his greatness. There is no LBJ. If there's no MLK pushing him into his greatness. And the point you make now, which is brilliant, is that there is no Eleanor Roosevelt. If there's no Mary McLeod Bethune pushing her into her greatness, exposing her, uh, uh, you know, uh, consulting her and helping her to understand those things that she doesn't know. Barack Obama became famous for telling the story of A. Philip Randolph and FDR, who met one day in the White House. And uh, long story short. Um, A. Philip Randolph, who was the the architect, the first person who had the idea for the March on mm-hmm. Washington that didn't happen until many, many yeah. years later. But that was A. Philip Randolph's idea. Uh, and yeah. and Randolph is, is telling the president, Mr. President, you got to do this, 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 and this, and you got to step your game up. And the president said to A. Philip Randolph, FDR did, go out and make me do it. Go out and make me mm-hmm. do it. And Obama became famous for sort of telling that story about the relationship between A. Philip Randolph and uh, and uh, and FDR, but I but but now you're making me see this through a different lens, which is that Mary McLeod Bethune mm-hmm. Victoria did the same thing for Eleanor Roosevelt. She did exactly. Can the I just say one now. quick thing? Sure, uh, Marie, you go first. I get back. Oh, Marie, Marie first. Go I'm ahead. sorry. No, I'm no, sorry. go, Marie, go, go. I was just going to say we actually talk about that meeting in our book, and I mm-hmm. have to say that definitely happened, and and they're kind of forged um, in the fire of each other. But who do you think made that meeting come about? Mm, I got it. It was Eleanor and Mary. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I think yeah. I know the answer and to that question. Yeah. And and that's exactly what I was going to say when you were saying. I'm sorry. Because we have that story. <laughs> we have that story in the book, uh, Tavis, about yeah. A. Philip Randolph and the march that he was going to do and how um, FDR did not want that to happen at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Mary and Eleanor who brought those men together in a room that got a Philip Randolph to finally say, um, to, to get FDR to finally say, okay, okay, I'll give in to some of your um, requests yeah. here. But it was the women, it was the women who made that happen. No, it's, it's a powerful story. And I'm glad you shared it in your book because most people don't, many people don't know the story uh, of, of, again, FDR telling A. Philip Randolph, go out and make me do it. Um, but m- nobody knows the story uh, except uh, Marie Benedict and Victoria Christa- Christopher Murray. Uh, and now all of us would know it courtesy of their book that it was uh, Mary McLeod Bethune and Eleanor Roosevelt, the first lady, yeah. who made that meeting of these two mm-hmm. men happen. Uh, and that's why uh, this historical fiction, to your point, uh, Victoria, uh, is uh, is powerful in, in, in its own right. Um, what, what do you think? I'm watching my clock here. I've got about, you know, four and a half, five minutes yeah. left. Um, what do you think? Yeah. You, you first, Victoria, and then we'll go to Marie. Victoria, what, what do you think the story of Mary McLeod Bethune and Eleanor Roosevelt? Let me, let me, let me, let me, give me a second here. I want to put a fine point on this. 
I, I thought to ask you what you think the story of their bond and their friendship says to women writ large, but let me be more exacting in my question. What does the story of their bond and their friendship say specifically to black women and white women, given the political divide that still mm-hmm. exists in this country? I was talking on this program on this program just last week, reminding people that were it not for white women, I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying, were it not for white women, Donald Trump wouldn't have been president the first time around. And so mm-hmm. we have to have a, an honest conversation about the ways mm-hmm. in which we move, the ways in which we vote. Ironically, Trump is not president if it weren't for a lot of white women that supported him. And Biden is not president if not for black women who supported him in huge numbers mm-hmm. and made the difference in South Carolina that changed his campaign. So here's my question, Victoria. You first, Marie, you second. What does the story of Mary McLeod Bethune and First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt say to black and white women today in real time? That if we work together, we can get it done. And I'm not sure that your um, listeners know that I, Victoria, am a black woman mm-hmm. and Marie is a white woman. Mm-hmm. And we came together in our first novel to write about a woman who was passing. And we thought we were just telling a story of this woman who used to be the personal librarian to J.P. Morgan. But what we found when we went on the road was that people were responding to this black woman and white woman having serious conversations about race, having conversations that changed both of their lives. And we found that readers responded to that and they said, this is what they wanted to do. So not only are our stories a way for black people and white people to open up and have conversations, but we are showing in real time how that can happen. Mm. Last word to you, Marie Benedict. Same question. Oh, my gosh. Victoria said that so beautifully. It's going to be hard to (laughs) that. Um, But that's exactly it. I mean... To write the sorts of things that we write, um, we have to have difficult, honest, frank conversations, awkward conversations about our personal experiences and beliefs and beliefs we don't even know that we have. And it's only by doing that, Victoria and I have learned or discovered for ourselves, that you can create a bridge that otherwise seems, you know, almost impossible to construct. And that's when we go out on the road or we meet with readers, that's what we see them responding to. We see them wanting to find ways to build that bridge. And we hope that with the first ladies and the personal librarian and then bringing readers together, they can sort of follow that. Um, what the example that Mary and Eleanor have set um, for us and the way that Victoria and I have kind of gone about it to create bridges of their own. Yeah. Um, there's a great song that came out some years ago uh, by the Judds, as I recall. Uh, and the song uh, was titled Love Can Build a Bridge. Uh, and I thought about that song mm. when, when, Marie, when Marie was yeah. talking that love can build. Yeah, I love that song. Love Can That's Build a true. Bridge. Yeah. Um, the book is called The First Ladies. I cannot do justice in 30 minutes to all that you're going to read in this historical fiction. Uh, it is a novel. Uh, and I take Victoria's point. You can get a lot more people to read fiction than nonfiction. She's right about that. Trust me, I'm a fiction I'm a nonfiction writer and I've done well but fiction is something I've been thinking about but I ain't bold enough to do it 
yet, but they've done it and they've done it well. The book is called The First Ladies. It tells the story of the bond that developed between civil rights activist Mary McLeod Bethune, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. The book doesn't drop until June 27th. Uh, my calendar says it's June 26th, so a day early. You got to hear all about it here on KBLA Talk 1580. Marie, congratulations on the book. Uh, an honor to have you on. Thank Victoria, you. congratulations to you as well. Delighted to talk to both of you. Thank you. Thank you for your time and all Thank the best with so the tour. Much. Thank you so much. Thank you. My great honor to have you on. All right, one more conversation, uh, a great one uh, forthcoming when uh, we uh, do uh, news, traffic, and sports. After we do it, I should say, we'll get right to Ben Williams and Cindy Winters, who formed the dynamic duo Butterfly Black, uh, Butterfly Black, in a moment on KBLA Talk 15.